Good morning again. It is good to see everybody out. I, I have to tell you, I have been so excited about the new series I'm getting ready to start. And I was looking forward to this even before Easter. It's been several weeks, which is unusual for me. I'm not usually somebody who works that far out. But I was looking so forward to sharing this particular message this morning. I was like, man, that's going to be great. I can't wait. And then I sat down to prepare it. Together, and I thought, this is hard. This was not what I expected. And as I began to, to dig deeper and deeper into God's Word, I found out that it's a very difficult thing what we're going to talk about this morning, and yet it's also a very vital and needed thing. In 1987, country music artist Conway Twitty, how many of you know who Conway Twitty is? I found some of the younger people didn't know who that was. I thought everybody knew who Conway Twitty was, but not everybody does. I was even going to play part of this song. And I decided, I was like, Chris, just don't, just don't do that. So I didn't. But he, he wrote a song or sang a song entitled, That's My Job. How many of you remember that song? That's my job. And it, it goes, that's my job. That's what I do. Everything I do is because of you. And it's a song about a father and a son. And the son is, is very... Uh, going through different problems, struggles, and he comes to his dad and he says, Dad, what am I going to do? Or when something doesn't turn out, what's going to happen? And the dad says, well, that's my job to take care of that. That's what I do. And this morning I want us to think about what our job is as Christians. What is our calling as, as followers of Christ? Because we often think about the wonderful, great things about being a Christian. I don't have to worry about going to hell. Praise the Lord. And yet it's more than just that. Not only am I get to receive the wonderful blessings and the wonderful promises, there's also responsibilities that come with that. That's my job as a Christian is what we're going to be talking about. And this morning, the one that we're going to focus on is it's my job to forgive. No matter what the rest of the world's doing, no matter what the rest of the world looks like, God has called us as children of God to certain things. And the truth is this, we live in a world where there is so much wrong. We live in a world that is filled with so much hate, with so much need, with so much despair, with so much disrespect for both the things of God and our fellow man. Yet God called us, even in the midst of all the darkness, or shall I say, especially because of all the darkness. To be a shining light, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 14 says this, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I shared in the earlier service that uh, the second church I pastored, we got an opportunity to redo the church, and we redid the outside as well too, and we had a, a really dark parking lot. So we bought some of the brightest, best lights that we could find. And this church kind of stood on a little hill. And when you turned them on at night, we had a neighbor that even complained that the church was too bright up there. And when you turned them on at night, I mean, I, think, I don't know if it was the same neighbor or somebody else. He said, I saw an airplane circling the church. He said, I think he thought it was a good place to land. We had everything bright. And the truth was, though, that's a great thing. To see a church that's up on a light shining, but not just... Literally, figuratively, we need to be shining to the world around us. Might even need to hurt their eyes sometimes. 
It might ought to be something where people are circling like, what's going on out there? People need to see that bright light. We are called to be that. No matter what the world's doing. It says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse number 16 says this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And it doesn't say that they may see your good works and pat you on the back and praise you and tell you what a great job you're doing. But that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's our job, church. And the actions that we take and the things that we do, that's part of our responsibilities, our honor as Christians to do. This morning, we're going to look at it's my job to forgive. Now, I told you I thought this would be very easy. I was looking forward to sharing this. And yet, the Scripture shares a, very, a lot of very hard truths about forgiveness and our calling to forgive. If you look with me in Colossians chapter number 3, in verse number 13, we began to see the, the great part about Christ forgiving us. And that's the thing that I always want to highlight. When we talk about forgiveness, I want to think about the forgiveness that I got at when I was lost and Jesus Christ saved my soul as I put all my faith and trust in Him. I think, wow, that's great. Except He calls us to also forgive those around us. He calls us, it says to forbear, forbearing one another. Have you ever had to forbear someone? Have you ever just had to really be patient with someone? I don't like patience, but it's good for me. It's called a virtue for a reason because you got to earn those things. It's hard sometimes. I don't know if you got to earn them, but it's a, it's a hard thing to have patience sometimes. Matter of fact, for years I was scared to even pray for patience. I was afraid the Lord might just answer that prayer. You know how you get patience? Sometimes through difficulties and trials and things that we never, ever wanted to come. We just, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. That's the way we want it. It says, forbearing one another. It's not meant to be easy necessarily. And forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, you ever have a struggle with somebody, maybe in your family, maybe in your community, maybe in your church. Sometimes we just don't get along. We have a, a quarrel, a problem, a struggle. It says if you have any kind of quarrel against any, not just the people that you like, not just the ones that are nice to you, but it says to anybody, it says even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. He said I've got to forgive just like Christ forgave me. Look with me in chapter number 4 and verse number 32. It says be ye kind one to another. <sighs> That's hard too sometimes, isn't it? You ever seen somebody? I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. That you just see me, just want to slap them. <laughs> Amen? You see me think, that's not very godly. I shouldn't have that attitude at all. And yet sometimes you're just like, oh, here they come. Oh no, what are we going to do? It says, I'm supposed to be kind. How kind? The love of Christ kind. Be ye kind one to another. Tender hearted. I just can't help but think about a little child. When you see a, especially if you see a child suffer, it just breaks your heart. You know, you see these things, just like, oh, that just makes my heart ache in such a way. You know what? It should bother me when I see other people struggling in the same ways. 
The answer is not to reach out and slap them, reach out and, and give them a hand up. Give them a hand out, whatever it might be to, to reach out, I should say. It says forgiving one another. There's that word again. He didn't ask if I wanted to. Tell me I'm supposed to. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 14. For if you forgive men your, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Well, praise the Lord. That sounds great, doesn't it? What a great promise that is. But the very next verse says, But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That got serious in a hurry. That got to be something that's a great big deal that oftentimes we dismiss as something just kind of minor. It doesn't matter. It says, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Here's the truth, church. We cannot be the body of Christ if Christians have unforgiveness in their heart. We're not going to be the body of Christ. We can look the part, we can act the part, but it's not going to be in our heart if we have hatred there. We cannot reach out to our community and truly illustrate the love of Christ if there's for unforgiveness among the saints. People watch us, church. Do you realize that? They watch, and they're not just watching to go, look how good that bunch is doing down there. They're watching to see you fall. They want to see you falter. They want to see you do something that's, in their opinion, ungodly, if you will. I want to be about my Father's business in everything that I'm doing. We cannot be in a right relationship with Christ if we have hatred in our hearts. If our mind is preyed upon by things that ought not to be there, it affects us. You ever been disturbed by something? It consumes you sometimes, doesn't it? It's in a way that it just eats at you, if you will. If we don't have our mind on heavenly, godly, good things and loving and caring and the things of God, it affects our relationship. Not just with the Lord, but those around us. I've heard too many stories about Christians in the same church who don't speak to each other, who don't shake hands with one another. I used to attend a church where I visited when I first started preaching. And someone told me, he said, there's two brothers here. One sits on this side, one sits on that side. And we used to come to the middle to shake hands. said, they'll never shake hands. They'll walk right by each other. Try to avoid that. Shame on them. That's not what Christians look like. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can allow things like gossip to creep in. When we have unforgiveness, what do we want to do? Let's talk about them. Unforgiveness brings in sometimes gossip and a tearing down of one another. Those things ought not to be there. Too many times we've allowed hurt, disagreement, whatever word you want to use to keep us from worshiping God, coming to church with the fellowship of the body together, and we pack that around. I wrote in my notes up here because I wanted to say this. Sometimes we have grudges that are snuffing out too many opportunities to show the love of Christ properly to the world around us that needs it. You know, when I share all those things, I realize unforgiveness is serious business. Unforgiveness is sin. 
And yet, too many times we like to entertain it. We don't want to go all the way, but we like to entertain it just a little bit. Have you ever had a fight with somebody and never know what to say when you're looking at them? And then when you get back home, you get in the mirror or something and go, I wish I'd have said this. I wish I'd have said that. I have the best comebacks 30 minutes later. It's like if we could just go back and I'd really give them a piece of my mind. Sometimes I'm entertaining things I ought not to. Instead of putting things on, it's nice to just keep bringing it up and go, boy, if I ever see them again, I'm going to tell them this. Is that the heart of Christ? Is that what we're called to do? So many times we fall into that. The world says it's okay. Like, yeah, you, you deserve to be upset and angry. I'll be honest with you. The church needs some righteous anger. But we don't need any hatred. We need to be angry about the sin going on in the world around us. We need to be upset about things that are happening in the world around us. And yet, my job is to reach out in the love of Christ and try to bring those people to a place of repentance. My job is to keep myself spotless and holy and blameless and pure in Jesus Christ and not allow the world to affect my walk with Christ. Church, we're supposed to be affecting the world, not the other way around. And what happens sometimes? Creeps in more and more and more. Sometimes we unwillingly harbor it. We just don't think about it, but we never take care of it. The Bible said it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. Sometimes we let little things that were so small, and yet when we don't take care of them, they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So why? Why would we ever even entertain such a thing? Knowing the destructive nature. If I ask all have I told you the truth so far? We'd say, amen, preacher, you've been telling the truth. Yet sometimes we entertain those things. Why do we do that? Why do we allow that to have any part in our life? Why do we struggle with that? I wrote down three things that I want to bring up. First one is pride. Sometimes we allow pride to have too big of a part in our life. The truth is, we don't like to admit we're wrong. Now, I've been married for 20 years. My wife's not here. She came to the early service so I can talk about her. I never like to admit I'm wrong when it comes to her. I don't, I don't want her to get one over on me. So I just, I'll, sometimes I'll just fight tooth and nail. And she knows I'm wrong, and I know I'm wrong, and anybody that knows the story knows I'm wrong. We kind of laugh about it, and we'll have a good time because she knows. But the truth is, pride's no laughing matter. It's brought the destruction of a lot of people. And the Bible gives us as many warnings about pride as it does anything else. Oftentimes, we often think it's somebody else's fault when we have a problem, don't we? It's always somebody else did this. When we have a disagreement, it's never me. Yet, do we ever take time to examine our attitude? Do we ever take time to examine the words that we used in a disagreement? Do we ever look at our heart and say, do I have the right heart when I was talking to them? Was I like Christ, wanting to seek their restitution, if you will, or their, their reconciliation, or was I just wanting to get one over on them? I like to be right, I'll just tell you. Hardly ever get to do it at home, but I like it. I enjoy that thought. But sometimes we let it control us. We'll never admit that we had a failure. 
The second thing I found out, and I could go ahead and put myself in this list too, sometimes we're just stubborn. We know the right way. We know what's good, but sometimes we're just not ready to give up yet. Christians ought not be like that, should they? I've met Christians who just like to stir up trouble. Should we want to stir up trouble as the body of Christ? No. We're to be in unity. That song uh, that played during the offering, one of my favorite songs, Oh, Church of God, Day of Jubilee. I just, I love that. I hope that's the right one. I hope I quoted it correctly. I love that. But it talks about us being in unity in part. We are to be the body of Christ together going forward in this world. And yet sometimes we let our own stubbornness get in the way. Sometimes we just want to thrive on conflict. We want to feel important. We want to be in control. I have a teenage daughter who for the last all of her years, amen, wanted to be in control, wanted to have her way. And there were times I have seen her be so stubborn. I will, I, sometimes I would just feel bad for her. And I'd be like, listen, I'm going to give you a way out of this. She would just stub up and be so stubborn and just do it her way, even though it cost her so much more. And I would look and go, have you lost your mind? You know, I'm arguing with a five-year-old. You know what? Sometimes we're the same way, aren't we? We'll just keep holding on. We'll just keep fighting. We'll just be stubborn. The truth is, sometimes the work it takes to make things right, we almost think, well, that's too hard. I just keep things a status quo. Except that's not what God called us to do. We read through those things. He called us to forgive. Sometimes... We just feel like we're hurt too much. You ever been hurt by somebody? Sometimes people are mean. Sometimes people say things that are hateful. Sometimes people say things with the wrong heart. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever been done wrong? Yeah. Somebody done the wrong way. And yet, know how to forgive the hurt so deep the pain seems to be so real we just rely on ourselves too much and we just can't see a way out of it and yet we're called to it's not forgive if it's easy it's forgive because I forgave you it's not forgive if you want to it's forgive because I told you to it's not forgive because that's what the world's doing. Forgive because that's not what the world's doing. They need to see that shining light so they can glorify God because we're different. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 21. You can't have a message on forgiveness without this passage of Scripture. It says, Then came Peter to him, talking about Jesus Christ, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? He asked that question because sometimes we go, that person's not going to get me anymore. My dad used to have a saying that he would say, and it was, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. 
He used to tell me that. And this is kind of what I think about when I hear this. It says, Peter said, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Till seven times. That sounds like a lot, don't it? What's Jesus' response? And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now this is not one of those where you got your paper out and you're going, shh, there's one mark. What is it, 489 left to go and then you're out of here. It's over and over and over again. We are to be a forgiving people. And yet, hear me on this, forgiveness is not about condoning sin. We're never called to condone sin. Forgiveness is not about just being taken advantage of. We're to be wise stewards. God has blessed us with. And yet we are to look for opportunities to forgive. Many times the Lord opens a door for us to come in and have a conversation. And sometimes it's tough. Sometimes they're hard. And yet, are we looking for that opportunity? We moved to Kansas. We were a thousand miles from home. And my father-in-law who doesn't call too often and we don't call too often and we would finally call and he'd say, well, it's about time you called me. My daughter would say, well, the phone line works both ways. And they'd have a good laugh and they'd say, yeah, I guess it does. Sometimes we think, you know what, if that person wants forgiveness, they should come see me. I'm here waiting. They know where to find me. Not my fault. Yet that's not always what we're called to do, is it? I want us to reach out. Not just me. We are called to reach out to those around us. Why? This, this passage shares it with us. In verse number 23 it says this, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto, likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. I didn't take the time to look up how much that is in today's money. It's a lot. Write it down as a lot. For, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. And his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. Verse number 26 said, The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. Are we still moved with compassion? Are we still wanting to be moved with compassion? We live in a world where we get kind of kind of jaded and gruff to things. And I've even told you about some of those things. But are we looking for opportunities that God gives us to show the love of Christ, to be compassionate, to shine forth the light of love and forgiveness? It says, He was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant, the same guy, went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. I didn't take the time to look that up either. It's a whole lot less than 10,000 talents. And he laid hands on him. And he took him by the throat. That doesn't sound like a very giving, thankful heart, does it? Not only did he say, I'm going to throw you in prison, I can just picture him grabbing this guy going, you're going to pay me. Saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. I've heard that story before. I think the guy that had him by the throat did the same thing. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison 
till he should pay the debt. Verse number 31, if they'll go back to that one. So, so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after they had called him, said unto him, in other words, he brought him back in before him. Somebody told on him, brought him back in. The fellow servant says, that guy's not acting like you think he is. So he brought him back to the Lord. And he said, oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. The next verse says this, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Wow. Let me ask you something. How much, how complete was the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ in your life? You think about all he's forgiven us. We are blessed. And yet sometimes we try to hold on to the smallest of things. I heard a story not too long ago. Well, it's been a while back about a church that was having problems. They were fussing and fighting. And I won't tell you what it's over because somebody might, might recognize the story from a congregation because I don't know where it came from. But whatever their fight was, they brought in this minister to kind of be the, the in-between guy, the referee. And when he heard what the problem was, it was so small it was embarrassing, just to be honest with you. And the comment that he made to the congregation was, he said, one second after eternity starts, none of this is going to matter. I might go ahead and share it this way. One second after eternity starts, so many things that we think are big deals now will seem so little, will seem so small, will seem so insignificant. Sometimes there are things that we fuss and fight about and we lose valuable relationships with one another. And in the end, it was nothing. If I remember correctly, the Hatfields and McCoys fought over a pig. Maybe that's just lore. Maybe I just read it somewhere, but I think that's true. They fought over a pig. I like bacon, but not enough to shoot somebody over. And they feuded for years over something that when eternity starts or when you meet the Lord, Lord, have mercy on my soul. When you think about the little things sometimes, that trip us up. The truth is, Christ has forgiven me and you a debt that we cannot pay without Him. We need to be showing that love to all those around us. And the truth is this, Christ has called us to be different than the world. If you look with me in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 24 says this, But I say unto you, love your enemies. That's not what we think about, is it? Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We need to be more peculiar. 
We need to be more different than what the world looks like. It says that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Someone once said, love and forgive your enemies. It'll drive them crazy. Amen. I like that. That sounds great, but how do I do that? One, you need to pray for strength. And by that I mean you need to seek God's help. We can choose to forgive. And sometimes we have to choose it time and time again. And yet it's still only Jesus Christ that changes the heart. Seek His guidance more. Seek His help more. Secondly, if you're having somebody you're struggling to forgive, have you tried praying for them? There used to be an old country song about praying for people. I think I shared this and it was about... I prayed for you today. I prayed your brakes would go out as you go down the hill. I pray a flower pot would fall on your head. There's a whole list of things. That's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about. You know what? The person that's done me the worst still has a soul that Jesus Christ died for. The person that has mistreated me the most, I don't want to see them go to hell for all of eternity. If I have the love of Christ, I don't want to be a stumbling block in any way to anybody. And one of the last things that we can do is, or that we need to do is, remember our own debt that Christ forgave us. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not willing to pick up the hatred, the malice, the whatever word you want to use in there. I'm not willing to pick that back up and carry it. Because unforgiveness, do you know who that hurts? It hurts me. I've seen people carry things that the other person doesn't even know is a problem. Doesn't even know it's a problem, and yet there they are, packing it around, haunting them. I guess that's the word I want to use day and night. And the other person doesn't even know about it. Don't carry those things around. Give them to Jesus Christ. I have a video that I want to play. And it covers some hard things. And yet, through the love of Christ, church, we can be overcomers. And we're the ones that gets the peace and the joy and also to shine a light brighter for the cause of Christ. Forgiveness, that's my job. Just like it's yours.
You know, I don't know what song they picked out. We just sang this just a couple of weeks ago, but it was on my mind, so I'm going to ask if we can sing Amazing Grace without any music. And I want you to know this altar is open. If you need to come to it, don't wait. Or if you need to go to somebody and have a talk with them, do that. Look for that opportunity. Let go of that burden. Do what the Lord's called us to do.